I've tried. That's all I got. That's just Merman. Oh, <laughs> I love Merman. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what I his anus is like. <laughs> just wet and clammy and cold. You. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't have anal sex with a merman, listeners, friends. Why not? It just won't be good for either of you. Jonathan Holmes. Yes. You and I. Mm-hmm. In fact, all of us, actually. There's no yeah. reason to exclude anyone from this. this is... You mean Conrad? Yeah. Okay. And all the listeners. Oh, them too. Yeah. We got to talk about the David Boreanaz situation. I've heard of him. He's got a square head and he's on bones. <laughs> right? That's, that's all I know. That's almost his entire biography. <laughs> that you've pretty much read the novelization of of David Boreanaz's life. Um, he was also, of course, and this is where I will know him more. Is he played mm-hmm. Angel on the hit Joss Whedon TV show Angel? <laughs> Yeah, that's a show. Which I've been watching a lot of, because I've, I've watched Buffy too many times. I never really bothered watching Angel. So I've been watching Angel, and naturally I've been thinking about Dave Boreanaz a lot. Mm-hmm. Only trouble is, is I could never remember his name properly. Because it's not a usual name uh, where I'm from, in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be namonormative and, and suggest his name is abnormal or wrong in any way, Jonathan. But he's the only Boreadas I know. And I couldn't even remember his first name was David. So for a long time, I just took... I knew it was wrong, but I just took to calling him Matt Borealis. What? I mean, That's just, completely different. D- David's not a hard name to learn, is it? It is when it's next to Boreadas. Matt? Whereas, <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but for a long time I just decided, and I, consequently, of course, I stopped calling Angel Angel, and I started calling that show Matt Borealis, <laughs> and I stopped calling the character of Angel Angel, and I started calling that Matt Borealis. So now, instead of, I'm going to put on Netflix and watch Angel, I say, I'm going to put on Netflix and watch Matt Borealis stars in Matt Borealis's Matt Borealis starring Matt Borealis. Like Aurora Borealis, that's so diff. That's so difficult. <laughs> and you, yeah, and you drove it home in so many different ways. You just inserted. Yeah. Well, you are a, a content creator by nature. I think it's hard for you to just absorb things other people make. You add to it. I'm too selfish, and and I, I don't think of others. It's, um, not. I mean, you're you're the psychologist. It's it's. Uh, I, I believe on the DMV. On the personality DMV, we call it narcissistic personality disorder. They actually just put out the new DSM. It's very confusing. But enough about that. Is narcissism on it? Is um, what else is on there? What else can I have? Still boning up on it. It's uh, a lot of things that used to be personality disorders are now what they call Axis One disorders, which imply that you should be able to treat them with medications. I think. I'm guessing that's driven by doctors wanting to be able to get paid to prescribe more medications to more people. So in the past, you couldn't treat an Axis 2 necessarily with medications because uh. they're 
I don't know if I'm just talking. I used to like going through the DSM, picking what ones I want. Because <laughs> um, you want the ones that make you interesting, but not, like, proper mental. Right. Not so, yeah. Deal. Right. Okay. You know, it's like, do I want antisocial or not? Do I want that? Because it does make you sound dangerous, therefore possibly attractive. But it also just makes you sound dangerous. Well, yeah, I mean, those are the yeah. people that are, they write books about how they're the worst people. Exactly. So yeah. I picked, I've, I, I decided I definitely want narcissism. <laughs> what? That's not so a good one. I'm going to have that. Uh, and I'm trying to think of, of like, dual classing it, like maybe a prestige class when I've taken enough levels in narcissism, then pick one of the others and kind of combine the two and keep all keep all the feats and, and traits that I've kept from narcissism and then move on to something. Maybe if I took half antisocial. Mm. I can't remember any of the others. There's, it's bi- <laughs> was bipolar on there? No, no. Bipolar is axis one because it's right. probably a biochemical treatable thing, whereas axis I, two is like hardwired. I legit thought I was bipolar for a while, and then I saw a therapist, and I went, no, you're not. It's very common. People hear bipolar, it's like, well, sometimes you don't feel the way you want to, and you know, you want to have more energy and you don't, or you have too much energy when it's not, that's me! Exactly. But that's just every human being. It's when a lot you're... easier to say that than just say I'm a fuck-up. <laughs> I, I blew it. It's, if it's a choice between admitting you blew it, or I've got that disorder there. The, exactly. one, the one that I saw some GeoCities webpages on and it said they're creative. I'll take that. I'll take the good bits of that. I don't want any of the bad ones. I'll have that. And autism. A lot of people are so sure they have autism. And when you tell them that they don't, they get really mad. Like, I knew this like really muscular Asian gymnast who would want you to come over her house and talk to you, talk to her about Nintendo games. And she wouldn't want to talk back. She would just sit there and be like, tell me about Nintendo games. And you're like, all right. DuckTales, good game, you hop around. She's like, tell me more. And uh, she was convinced she had autism, but she was just really weird. (laughs) Because she didn't have any symptoms of autism other than just like, tell me about Nintendo games. I've got huge back muscles. She'd flex them sometimes. They looked really cool. Wow. Mm, Yeah, I miss her. I think she married someone I know or something. So, Mm. to bring us full circle. Yes. Back to the Matt Borealis thing. Yes. I've been... Um, what's the word? Harassing is not the right word for for what I've sure. been for what I've been doing too. In fact, two sounds bad as well. What I've been doing with uh, mm-hmm. Dave Boreanaz, star of Television's Angel, and and subsequently Bones. I've been sending him messages on Twitter. I try and do it once a day. Really, uh, petitioning him to change his name to Matt Borealis because it'll just be easier for me. Because to me, he's Matt Borealis now. And it would be... It would make all our lives a lot simpler if he just decided... Because it's like... Okay, I mean, I could try and learn to start calling him David Boreanaz a lot more, but... Mm, bit lazy on his part. Wait, waiting for the mountain to come to Muhammad when he should come to the mountain. I am a mountain... In in spirit, I'm his rock. 
<laughs> he doesn't know who you are. You are a man. You're just yet another man hurting him from a distance. <laughs> I can imagine there's so many of those already in his life. But you know, it's like him thinking, oh, career's going okay, I guess, but I never quite hit that Tom Cruise level I was hoping for. Oh, maybe one more season of Bones. Uh, go on Twitter. Hopefully somebody likes me. I don't know. And then just that man again. You should become Matt Borealis. You fool. And I'm like, oh, nobody I didn't call him a fool. You didn't? No, I, I, I was very kind to him. Really? I invited him to my I invited him to my um dip and sauce and shrimp soiree. That's yeah. I <laughs> I sent him a message the other day that was that just said just thinking of you. That's not wrong. I was thinking of him. I think about Matt Borealis like slash Matt Borealis slash David Boreanaz every day. I, the, okay, it still hurts. It hurts when a man wants another man to just do something different. Like, I, I, as you know, I was a little snippy with a, a Podtoid listener today who just thought he would tell me how I should be with you, Jim. Oh, yeah, some people seem to forget this is a show. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that's great. That's a, we have the, the suspension of dil, uh, disbelief no, tightly in our hands. Who's going to say suspension of dildos, then? <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be honest, we ought to take them off them. If they've cut them, because they can't be up to any good. Yeah. yeah but, what, the, the dildos? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a dildo in the hand of a Podtoid fan is a bad thing. <laughs> Probably. But but the, he, he felt genuine sympathy for me, I, I think, or, or not. I don't know, because if you felt genuine sympathy for me, you would probably email the person who is, uh, in his mind, um, bullying or pushing me around, which would be you, and say, hey, don't push Jonathan around. But that wasn't it. He was uh, tweeting me saying, you should you know, get Jim back and twist, twist things around and show him who's boss and, and things like that, uh, which uh, it seemed kind, but he didn't notice that I enjoy doing the show, I guess. Do I seem that miserable? On the show? He seemed to think that... I mean, he he later spoke to me and asked why... And again, not accusing me of anything. Mm, yeah, not, you're completely in the clear. I, I'm the one, like, imposing the will uh, <laughs> with the show. But no, no, it was very much, why does he let you walk all over him? <laughs> uh, to which I responded, for the same reason why Mark Hamill, quote-unquote, allowed David Prowse to cut his hand off. You know, but uh, that's interesting. A lot of people have sympathy for you. They they believe that. I think they think this show is a document of, mm. of things that are happening. Like I really have made you kill a dog, <laughs> or I really have put worms in your ass and stuff. Oh, and, 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 I've had more ideas with worms, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Those are always so gross. Worm is gross. Period. Yeah. There's no not gross worm. They're all gross. Even the cute ones are a little gross. Uh, but but you we you ex- you come up with ideas for fun on the show. Oh, because I always think you're going to be into them. Right, and I I hear them, and I'm interested in them. But they are. It is for me, and I'm not. This is not a character. I truly am sad at the ideas, but I also enjoy watching Sophie's Choice. 
that makes me sad. I like a roller coaster of emotions. And you always provide those. Tools. Exactly. I'm I'm like your own little tiny David Cage parrot that sits on your shoulder just whispering just Polly want a cracker. What a weird parrot. <laughs> it would be a terrible parrot. I'm, I'm imagining, you know, bird body, red and blue and green feathers. And just David Cage's face just on top of it. Too big for the parrot. It's kind of lolling off to the side a bit. Drool constantly coming out of one side. Just... Uh. <laughs> I'm David Cage, the parrot. Shiver my timbers. Does he entertain you with a story of sad, wet people? or? Well, it's David Cage. He does nothing to entertain you. <laughs> he must try, though. He does sincerely Ooh. think that the shiny-skinned... Polygon people having a drama is gonna make you feel something. Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, he thinks that. <laughs> but when he talks, he just wants a cracker. <laughs> cracker, yeah, because he can't <laughs> overcome his parrot nature. It's well, um. I hate to cut you off, but where's Conrad? Is he on the show? He's always with us in in I'm, a way. I'm, I'm I'm here. I don't. What do you want? I just want to make sure you were there. I just I like you, Conrad. I didn't want you to not be. Well, okay. Let's. We all have our faults. Nobody's perfect, but I'm trying not to dwell on them. (laughs) I consider Conrad increasingly on this show as a kind of Eye of Sauron type figure. Just, just watching constantly, and then when needs must, just subtly guiding. It's a it's a good thing. Uh, 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 I'm writing an email, honestly. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Conrad's busy. I am busy. He's doing the work. I am doing oh yeah. It. I don't like it because then that means I end up doing a bit of work. That's right. I hate doing that. <laughs> you wrote a cool review though. Everyone's talking about it. No, they're talking right about hell. other reviews in it. They've gone mental in that thread. There's like 500 comments on the Ride to Hell review. Really? Yeah. That's so fun. What What's bringing that on? What's 10% of them are about Vanquish. <laughs> 10% of them, and partly my fault because I was just really pissed off because I had to talk about Ride to Hell, and that just upset me. I played it all day. Put me in an awful mood. People brought up Vanquish, and I started stirring the pot. Why uh, the heck would they bring up Vanquish? The, the scores are different, the games are different. Because they're them. Mm. Um, you know, just people letting me know that my um, opinions are, are shit. And I was just spending a little time this morning just replying to everyone with, with various plays on Boohoo or wah 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 wah. Um, and that kicked off things, people arguing. Um, someone was asking, well, uh, reviewing something like this, do you not look back at your Vanquish score and weep? And I'm like, no, the game is subpar. And that got people really upset again. So that happened. And then there's another separate chain in the thread of people arguing about um, Bayonetta, I think. What? And another separate chain where people are just discussing Daikatana. Uh, None of it makes sense anymore. I gave up hours ago, but it's still going. Just just 500 comments and counting of people. And no one's talking about the game that the actual (laughs) review is for. Which well, the game clearly, out? nobody cares about the game, nor should they. Mm. No, no, they fucking shouldn't. Oh, my dearie, dearie me. I actually, I, I sent a message to Deep Silver on Twitter, 
um, within like 15 minutes of playing the game, which I had to buy myself because they're not sending review copies out. So wow. I dropped 30 bucks on this thing. Within 15 minutes, I was sending a message to Deep Silver with, with my question of what made you think charging $30 for this was okay. Also, how fucking dare you? <laughs> and that's it? Just question mark at the end of that? Mm-hmm. And did they respond? No. No. Um, I think they're trying to pretend it doesn't exist, the game. Well, I'm imagining that the people who made the game are pretty distanced from those kind of emails. Those emails are going to the handlers, the PR people, the community manager people who are probably pretty sad that the game turned out that way. And they're just kind of left holding the bag, frowning, the bag of poo with a frown. And then you're like, that poo smells. And they're like, <laughs> we know, we know, oh, I'm sorry. It's a fucking... So what can they say? Yeah. It's it's awful. It's uh, like it's themed in the it's set in the sixties. Uh, I think it wants to be Kill Bill, but it's not. Um, you're like a biker who's going after bikers because they killed your stupid brother. Uh, main character looks like a cross between Kurt Russell and Stretch Armstrong, and <clears throat> you do motorbike riding, which tries its level best to be road rash, but it's not. Because um, basically you ride this bike really slow. It just tootles along big brown roads that all look the same. A bike comes near you in slow motion, and then you've just got to mash a button. You just mash a button, and then a little bar fills up, and then he kicks the person off the bike, and then another bike comes. You do it again. Um, then there's like button mashing, there's brawling combat, and uh, awful gun sort of combat. The kind of... Like, it's pre... Uh, PS2 original Max Payne like that. It looks like that as well graphically, like the textures just... I've never seen that many screen tear, uh, tears on a game at once, at one time. Normally, you know, you move the camera or something and you'll get a screen tear. Just like one running along the screen where it just rips a little. Here it was like up to ten tears at once on everything. <laughs> Anything moving. It just flickered with textures phasing in and out of existence like like they don't belong in this reality that sounds almost good that's the thing like as an effect if you were to go into the tardis or something in in the biker world and but that's just how it looks when you're driving down the street yeah it's it's mostly bad in cutscenes. when you're driving down the street it just looks like a piece of shit um and then of course the casual misogyny in there is fantastic uh, all the main characters who have any element, um, any agency in the plot are male. Mm. All females. Uh, I think I bumped into about, before I gave up, I think I bumped into about five or six women characters. Only one of which was dressed in um, real clothes. The other ones all just bras and daisy dukes. Always. Um, their only influence on the plot is to be fucked. That's what they do. You get some of them who are almost like the guy in the saloon and brothel that we were going to have in um, Boston. Like, literally what? saying things like, ah, I'm going to get what I paid for. <laughs> like, just big, like, three fat men around this woman who is, again, in, like, a bra and daisy jokes. They're all surrounding her, just, ah, I'm going to get what I paid for. And you go beat up the men. And then the woman gives you presumably what they paid for. 
So it's essentially shoplifting what, what you're doing. She has sex with you then? Fully clothed sex. <laughs> In silence, while this little whack, 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 whack music plays, and none of the two, like the main character or the woman, none of them are talking or making noise, and she's just gyrating up and down on top of his buttoned jeans. <laughs> the one woman who is wearing anything approaching real clothes, she's wearing full on overalls, like a full on mechanics jumpsuit, and she's just bouncing up and down on the man's jeans. Nothing could be happening there. Neither of them could be getting anything out of it. But that happens, and it happens constantly throughout the game, just this constant thing. And because and that's what women are in the world of ride to hell retribution. They're just, as I said in the review, just walking fuckboxes. That seems to be the message of the fucking piece. That seems to be the theme of the day, is that. Just women, just constantly, oh, I know how to repay you. Waka waka wawa, sexy. Uh, Dry humps are painful. I don't know if you know. Especially with when, all the denim. It's bikers in the 60s. Yeah, exactly. With, denim when you've on got denim. like four layers. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. No, you're going to get a pinch. You're going to get a chafe, a, a, maybe even a friction burn. You're not going to get an erotic moment out of that. It took me years to get over my problem with touching denim with my hands. What? What I, problem is that? I don't like the texture of denim. Interesting. It's like a kryptonite type deal? It, it makes my hands feel weird, and it makes me think that the denim's going to pull all my fingernails back. <laughs> like, off my fingers. Oh, ouch. Uh, I've gotten over it a lot over the years, but I've never liked the feel of denim. Mm, always yeah. giving me a weird little like the feeling one gets when they if they're eating an apple and they feel their teeth squeak on it oh yeah i suppose that's not the best feeling I, oh god i feel awful now i'm thinking about that so denim like underwear if I i'm thinking about it. straws now <laughs> like when you drink on a straw like you put a straw uh -huh. in a drink and you drink it sometimes mm -hmm. when i'm drinking out of a straw i imagine the straw being sucked too hard and hitting me in the back of the throat and then I can't stop thinking about it. And then I can't drink anymore. Or watch others drink. You're, what the uh, fuck is wrong with me? It sounds alright when it was in my head, but now it, I'm divulging. It's, uh, your, your, your creativity knows no bounds, Jim. This is your problem and your solution uh, in your life. You know, you you imagine the denim doing this to your fingernails, and what do you can you imagine denim um, tidy whities right now or tidy blueies? Oh, God, that would be about the blueies. <laughs> There's would no you... stretch in them, and I need everything to stretch because fat. <laughs> oh, I know what you're doing. You're doing what that man said. Turning it around. Turning oh. it around. I, I was. I did theorize what it would you be better. like to turn it around. Uh, I can see it coming. Really? If you try and turn it around. I will turn you around. What does that mean? Oh, you! I think you know. Get a good old look at that bum of yours. My bun? Your bum. Oh, bum. B-U-M. Your bum. I oh. just wanted to see my one bun. No. Like, on the side of my butt. No. Just an isolated buttock. Just stare at that. That would be good. <laughs> that would also be good? Yeah. I'll tell you what else would be good. Ah? Uh, I'm, I've made your dreams come true, John. You have? Yeah. Hear me out on this, right? I had this idea for you that will be good okay your very own television series again 
when did we do another one? I, I, uh, oh, you were on MTV's Road Rules. Yeah, I considered myself yeah. the star of the show. Sure. Which we've never exploited for gain. That's uh, boring. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you want to do another TV. It's series. time for your comeback. Okay. I think the people are asking for it. Where's Jonathan Holmes, they're saying, when they're watching Matt Borealis on Netflix. They're saying, yeah, Matt Borealis's hair looks good, but we'd like a man with less hair on his head. Where's That's Jonathan? Me. Why isn't he playing Buffy when Buffy does a crossover appearance on Ain Hell? Huh? That's what they're saying. I am the anti-Matt uh, Borealis. Exactly. Borealis? Yeah, Matt I Borealis, am. That's yeah. bad, because he's a handsome, full head of hair hunk, and I am a, a shabby, flabby, bald, boring I don't know. Man. I mean, in 2013, you and him are kind of meeting more in the middle now. Hmm? Nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's gotten a little softer over the years. He's still very handsome, though. I he must is. Say. He's still He's a good-looking man. He's turned it into a rugged look now. Well, it's it, what it is, is uh, Nathan Fillion should be looking at David Boreanaz and thinking, that's where I need to get to. Oh, interesting. Because there's, you know, there's only so much time that pretty boy thing is going to work for him, I think. Yeah. Fillion. And he needs... Yeah. Well, yeah. Fillion is... Uh... He's a man's man, is my understanding. And men don't tend to be as critical of uh, when they're... Uh, well, that's not true. Anyway, before I... Well, and, and Boreanaz moved into directing and producing, and he does all sorts of other stuff. He doesn't have to, you know... And then he stars in Bones. Yep. So he's done very, very well for He's himself. a big fan of hockey. Mm. <laughs> that's true. I, I was... Do you guys think that uh, when heterosexual males look up to other males, as they do with uh, Borealis and uh, Fillion, that they don't have to look good for as long? That they can start to let their looks go a little bit and the, the young men will still look up to them? Young, young men love that. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. They think he's amazing and he looks kind of messed up. He looks like he's been hurt a few times. I think they're allowed to let their looks go, those gentlemen. Well, he looks like he's been to rehab a few times. Yes, he does not have a fresh face. He's got some crag and some uh, depth. Well, I think craters, culturally, culturally, men are allowed anyway to look a little weather-beaten, mm-hmm. to look older, to look, you know less graceful less polished and obviously there's a lot more pressure on um those who are not men to be pretty all the time and forever young and stuff Um, it's impossible to do jonathan we can't be forever young unless we have access to technology Mm -hmm. tell you what we can do though star our own detective tv series okay no really yeah you, All right. Right? I was thinking about this. Obviously, the show would already have a bit of a gimmick, a bit of an angle, because of your detective past. As you know, um, you solved the Black Dahlia murder case very famously. You were the great mouse detective uh, in real life. You remember that, Jonathan? I know. You I did, did your not. tumbling act? No, I don't. What What happened? When you, you revealed that Steve Buscemi was the Black Dahlia killer... And then you did tumbling for an hour on, on a stage, and Bill O'Reilly wet his pants because he was so that, impressed. 
Really? That sounds a little familiar. Like uh, like in the imagination. It sounds like a pretend time, but not a real time. No. <laughs> no, right? it, it definitely happened. Yes, this absolutely yeah. happened. For don't, real. Don't possible. spoil it. This is what I need to tell HBO. Okay, okay. To get this to happen. Because Game of Thrones is in its off-season, so we're going to get you in there. <laughs> that sounded more insulting than I intended to. Because um, I genuinely mean it. We do need you to be, like, the, the, the buffer. Um, get you in before the Breaking Bads comes. Um, so we got to move fucking quick. So I'm pitching this new TV detective drama series. It's going to be in the same vein as your Columbo, Jonathan. It's going to be in the the same vein as your Monk. It's going to be in the same vein as your Dick Van Diagnosis murder. It's going to be in your same vein as murder what she has done. It's going to be in the same vein as Cadfell. It's going to be all this and more. And that one about the, the vicar priest man who solved some crimes for a minute in between giving a sermon. Okay. Right? Are mm-hmm. you excited? It's going to be one of those. You know, it's going to have some comedy. It's going to have some sex. It's going to have some thrilling mystery. Every episode. All the time, forever, until we die. It's called... <laughs> yeah. Now, this is, this is where we're going to raise heads with the executives. It's called... Soda Baby. <laughs> what? How can that... Who's Soda Baby? You are! What? Obviously. I mean, you know, Monk is called Monk because the man's called Monk. Columbo's called Columbo because the man is Columbo. Kojak was Kojak. Kojak absolutely was Kojak. Murder She Wrote was Murder She Wrote. She she was... No. Yeah. And Mm. Soda Baby (laughs) is Soda Baby. That's the theme tune, by the way. Soda Baby. And then the titles come up and then the show starts. Is that French accent? Soda baby. <laughs> it really, it's evocative. It makes you feel like the you're on... The adventures of soda baby. Did you say erotic? Erotic. No, I don't know about that. Of soda baby. <laughs> it's, not, it's not erotic. It's not a straight translation. You know, erotic, we're thinking, ooh, I'm a bit turned on watching this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it means. I think it's for the you know it's for the house husbands and the housewives who are at home with baby, <laughs> at home with the make a house clean while the working man or woman or a dog goes out and does the office work. A working dog. Yeah, because these things always come on. At least in the UK, these shows would come on like the afternoon early afternoon watch a bit of Columbo. I was unemployed for a long time I remember it and you know the the terminally unemployable will also enjoy Soda Baby Soda Baby <laughs> so the, mm-hmm. the general gist is you know how Kojak had his lollipop Columbo had his dirty Mac Dick Van Diagnosis Murder had his moustache you will have your own sort of look your own sort of um What's the word? Presence. So that when people see you come in, they're like, oh shit, Soda Baby's here and I've gone and committed a crime. This is Hugo Weaving playing a villain. Ah, shit. Ah, fucking hell. Soda Baby's coming and I've committed a crime. Shit's gonna get fucking serious, mate. 
Is that Hugo Weaving from Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? I, I like that Hugo Weaving. I didn't know if he was in that. He was. It sound, he sounded like that in that a bit. How many bits of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? It's okay. It's got Zod and uh, Agent Smith being um, flamboyant, fun-loving uh, the female impersonators. I think they call them that movie. Yeah, it's not bad. So anyway, you waddle onto the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Wearing a big adult diaper, right? What? Why? A two-liter bottle of of soda under your arm, and a hat, and a detective's hat, a yellow Dick Tracy hat. And you waddle on, and you're like, "Watch the crime, boys!" And <laughs> why do I talk like that? Nobody talks like that. Yeah, you've got a cigar as well. Watch the crime, boys! And I'll be there as, as uh, Chief O'Leary. Just, oh! Oh, Sergeant Baby! I'm so glad that you've come to tomorrow, and Stone Limerick. There's been a murder. That there naughty Hugo Waving's got in for it. There was a witness to the crime. And he'll tell you all about it. And Conrad is there as um, Stoopy O'Lucky, who saw it and he's all like, oh, yeah, I saw the crime, chief. No, that's Hugo Weaving. Um, Conrad, help yeah, us. I don't know why yeah, I'm doing I, an impression I, of you. I, I, so- <laughs> I saw that. I, you know, honestly, I barely understood anything that's been said in the last, like, five minutes. Really? It seems really straightforward. Like, I'm a man what? who dresses you know, like a I baby. I think it's just the the uh, European accents. My my um, my ethnocentric American brain can't process them as actual words. Um, okay, well in this scene, I saw I saw the body. There we go. Yes, yes, body. I'm going to have to uh, finish the soda baby pitch. Be soda baby. Um, have a conversation with Conrad. Find out the crime. Uh, okay. Do it as soda baby. Uh, a soda baby talk like, Meh, right? Yes, he- ah, so tell me about this crime, see? <laughs> Who's the guy who did the crime? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I just saw the body. Oh, playing hard to get, are you? Time for me to drop these drawers and show you what I can do. And then I pee in the soda bottle. And then shake it up. And then spray it all over him for a, a pee-soda combo. Show him what I can do. Soda baby's signature technique. I don't know. This is. I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to call actual police now. <laughs> <laughs> and then at that point in the episode, it's like looks like another job successfully done. 
Find a show to breathe! And at that point, and this happens every episode, <laughs> you roll onto your back what? and kick your feet up in the air, your bare feet. Actually, you can wear little booties. Yep. <laughs> you, you fall backwards, like tumble backwards onto your back and kick your feet, your booted feet up in the air. Unscrew the soda bottle and just pour it all over your face and bare chest. Kicking while going, Google Gaga! Hey, Google Yage! While um, bras fall from the sky and cover everything. Bras? Like brassiers? Brassiers. They just fall, and music is like, bah, 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 shoulder baby, shoulder baby. It wouldn't be a hit. People hate a man who Dude, acts like... I think like... the bras are going to be a hit. Because that's... Well, we'll do like bras. There's a, a reason for it, because like all good detective, gritty, urban crime thrillers, adds an element of sex. But... <laughs> Because we take great pains not to be objectifying sexist bastards. Mm-hmm. We don't want women there just being a piece of meat for Soda Baby to pour a bit of orange soda on. So we just throw brassiers down so people look at the bras and think, Oh, oh that's a lovely fucking bra, that. Oh, oh come here, Marjorie, have a look at these fucking bras. I'm in the right mood to have sex tonight now. And it gets them in the mood, makes them feel sexy. Because they're looking at loads of bras. And some of them are falling on lampshades and on uh, fire hydrants and on the police. I'm more curious about what Marjorie... What poor Marjorie is what I'm thinking. Some guys are, come here. I want you to see something that makes me hot. It's just some bras. It's a married couple in the north of England, Marjorie and Frank. So she's and, just like, oh. No, no, because Frank's watching this. Oh, I was watching this episode of Soda Baby. And I've got, oh, there's Soda Baby, played by Jonathan Holmes. He's kicking his legs. He's got little buoys on his feet. He's covered himself in orange soda. And I was, oh, I was like, that was a satisfying conclusion. To another crime noir thriller. Then I saw all these bras all coming down. And Marjorie's all like, oh, well, I don't normally like to watch this kind of, of, of thing on the television, but and bras are proper on it. Come here, give us a kiss on me vagina. What Whoa. Do that escalated quickly. She's also turned on by the bras. Loves the she, bras. Could just, she could just look at her own bras. The bras are a big hit. She hasn't got any. <laughs> she doesn't she wear to, them. Had to sell them all because of Obama. <laughs> In Northern England? Yes. I didn't know Obama's power. Well, I don't know. Maybe he is pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's hard to know how powerful the president is because Obama like goes out into his back garden and puts his fingers in the dirt in the ground, and then the fingers pop up in England and grab all the money. So, I didn't realize he was taking the money. I thought he was just making life life worse. I don't know. He just takes all the money and just throws it into the sea with little stones tied around it. He goes out like Dexter on a boat in Miami and just puts them all in trash bags and throws them in there. <laughs> because it's what he thinks is right? Yeah, the Bay Harbor Broker. Hey, you got an Ouya, too. I'm, I'm envious. I haven't been able to get one. They the are not in my... Your ribs hurt? I was laughing too much. Your 
<laughs> and what? I, I'm so, I was impressed that you laughed. That's good. I had I had got out of my chair and ran and punched a wall. <laughs> it was too funny. <clears throat> yeah, got New Year. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you wrote about it too. You They were have... only sending one to Destructoid. Oh, I didn't even expect it. It was a toss up between me and you. Oh, is that's very nice. I made I a did. selfish call. <laughs> and I didn't know you I practically call. had it rerouted. I was like, <laughs> fuck someone getting something. When I've got something to say about it. Uh, and then well, I felt I... bad about it, because you could have had a free over here. Well, even, I can't even buy one. I pre-ordered it at GameStop. Uh, they said, oh yeah, it's coming out on Tuesday. Still hasn't come. They're like, uh, should be in one of these boxes. And it's just not. Uh, only one Best Buy in the state of Massachusetts has one. And it's in a place that's very hard to get to. And I've been busy with day job and projects and stuff, so I haven't had three extra hours to drive around Massachusetts uh, this week. And just hoping the pre-order comes in, but no such luck. And you wrote about it, and it sounds like you really you want to like it, and you like things about it. But yeah, it, it's, it's weird. the hype kind of defeated it. It seems like if it had just come out of nowhere, like, there's this new thing, here you go, people would have been, like, pleasantly surprised it existed. Maybe. But. I mean, as a curio, it's it's nice to fiddle around with it. And it reminds me a lot of those uh, 101 in one game controllers that you plugged into televisions. Oh, sure. Like, ten years ago that had illegal versions of Mario Brothers on it and stuff. You get them in market stalls. Um, except it doesn't have 101 games on it, because as soon as I downloaded the Bard's Tale, I practically couldn't download another fucking game. Because <laughs> the memory was all used yeah, up? Or? Yeah, and oh. the, the message is, like, Ouya tries to be casual about everything. Mm-hmm. So it sends you a message that's like, oh, hey, I know this is hard to believe, but... You don't have room for any games. Why don't you try downloading some you haven't played in a while? Um, which sounds friendly and and very, te- you know, the, the kind of thing you expect from modern technological companies these days. Of all, hey, I'm in an office, but I'm wearing a sweater. Sue me. Um, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, sure. Chinese manual labor pays for all the plastic that we've put in this thing. Sue me. Don't, in that case. Uh, that kind of casual sort of, you know, hey, look, I know it says executive VP, just call me Chase. That kind of fucking shit. Um, but it's very annoying when you've had the ooyah for a day, and it's like, hey, look, I know this is hard to believe, but uh, kind of full up there, son. Uh, why don't you delete some of those games you haven't played for ages in the two hours you've had this thing? How much yeah, onboard that is a memory? Is hard to believe, asshole. Yeah, exactly. It just—it sounds like an insult rather than what they want, which is friendly, not scary, kind of thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, if you get any of the big graphics-intensive ones, you, your shit's got very quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much space is on it. I mean, the Bard's Tale. Let's see. I downloaded Bard's Tale. Uh, may have been like a gig or something. Uh, then I had to go in and buy it because you can only download demos from the store. So I booted up the game, then bought the game, and then it said, oh, by the way, <laughs> got three more gigs for you, son. Uh, once I'd spent the money. Was, oh, I got three more gigs for you, sunshine. Open up, I'm shoving it in! And in it goes. Um, interesting that it was like, do you want the high-def version or not? 
It takes longer. I went for the high-def one foolishly. I lost an entire review day because it spent a whole day uh, downloading it. Um, So once that went in, I mean, that was like all told three and a half to four gigs of a game in there. And that was my almost my lot. Um, You know, I've got like maybe eight between eight and ten games on there at the moment. Um, Bard's Tale, and then like just a load of less graphically intensive ones, and that's it's full right now. I'm very confused, though. Which Bard's Tale is this? Which giant Bard's Tale? It's uh, the one. The one that was out, you know, years ago, and um, it was on iOS and Android more recently. So it's sort uh, of... The original Bard's Tale from, like, the Commodore 64 days? Not or? that one. No, no, no. The one uh... that was, like... I forget when it came out, maybe early 2000s. Um, it was on for a definite PC and PS2. Okay. Um, had Carrie Elwes and Tony J voicing in it. Um, it's not that funny. <laughs> really tries to be, really tries to be, oh, I'm killing rats in a cellar. This is an observation I'm making about it. Um... It's a, it's a fun little game, actually. I never gave it that much of a chance back in the day, and I've been kind of enjoying playing it again. But, yeah, my problem with Ouya is that, like, it's a cute little thing. It's an adorable little box. And I really want to like it, and I want to be up for it. And, and, you know, it's this open platform, open for garage developers and indies and all this stuff. It ticks so many boxes. But as I wrote the review, I realized I had literally no one good thing to say about the system at all. You didn't have tons of terrible things to say. You were like, it is cute. It has some games. There are two games that I like. Uh, The controller is bad. But you can use PS3 360 controllers sometimes with it. Yeah, I've got a 360 controller in there now. How's that working? Well, the funny thing is, is um, I found the lag to be unnoticeable in menus and shit, Mm -hmm. and only really bad in like when a game wanted you to be really precise and use quick timing, like when uh, Dig Dungeons of Doom gets harder. Excuse me. Um, But once I put the the 360 controller in. I was like, holy shit, it was really laggy in menus as well. Just the, the, <laughs> the change, the difference in, in pace and how snappy the responses are with any other controller except the one built for the fucking Ouya is incredible. Um, so if you do get an Ouya, really, you've got to just plug in a wired 360 controller or Bluetooth up with a PS3 uh, one, anything but the main one, which is a shame because the main controller as a layout is nicely designed. Mm-hmm. It's so. just awful. Um, funnily enough, someone tested the UER controller on a PC and said it worked great. Huh. So it's like the UER does the UER controller just doesn't work with the UER, and the UER works with any other controller. Um, and that was again that was really uh, like disappointing for me because it's like I've got this UER, and the the only real way to get the most out of it is to hook up an external storage device and a third uh, third party controller. Oh, but it does point, work with external uh, storage devices, though, does it? I haven't actually tried it yet, but um, so. people seem to be attesting that it can. Okay. It'd be kind of weird if it couldn't, to be honest, considering how little room is on the actual system. Um, so there's that. The fact that many of the games just don't work properly, even ones that I know work because I've played them on mobile devices and stuff. You know, one of the best games on there is Wizorb, and yeah. half the time in Wizorb, the characters is just it's just controlling itself without me having any input. 
What? Ha- happens in Bard's Tale as well. Like sometimes he'll just wander off of his own accord. <laughs> sounds funny. It sounds thoroughly interesting. Like uh, whether it's uh, and for ninety nine dollars, it, it, I'm guessing that it's not that painful to to have to deal with um, little technical problems. But uh, it makes me wonder if they should put out a hundred and seventy five or at least $150 version with a better controller and uh, more on uh, onboard storage if, if people would would buy that. I I, I feeling they, they shot too hard at trying to win everyone over with this really cheap price and as a result uh, weren't able to put out a product that's I mean, $99 these days in this economy. That's like, I can get five cheeseburgers for $99. That's, <laughs> uh, that's incredibly cheap. Um, and it comes with a controller and everything. It's very... Very impressive. And free games, too. Super Crate Box is free on there, I've just heard. And I'm kind of excited about just buying it for no reason and playing it on TV, which I haven't done yet. Um, Yeah, so it's it's a weird situation. Because, I mean, I spent the entire review basically tearing it to pieces and had to end it with, you know, I still do kind of like it. (laughs) I like it even though I spent a long time just swearing at it for the past few days, just cursing it out and, and shouting at it um, and just being annoyed, especially when I turn it off using the controller and then watch, you know, I don't know, Matt Borealis on Netflix and then come back and realize you you turned itself back on. Why they can do that? Apparently, um, at least when you try and do it from the fucking piece of shit controller, it got to the point I just plugged it out, the, I yanked the wool socket out. Um, yank the, sorry, the plug out of the wall socket because I was just annoyed with it. So, you know, it's got problems, many of them. Um, I'm not sure how many of those problems firmware will solve. Uh, hopefully a lot. Uh, but nothing will change the fact that Amazing Frog is on its marketplace. Yeah, I saw a picture of that, but I haven't played it. What's it like? It's basically a, uh, a copy of the Saints Row insurance fraud minigame where you throw yourself at cars and then get flung into the air and let physics do the rest and you get scored on how high the jump is, how many things you hit, that kind of stuff. So, Except the thing is, <laughs> where in Saints Row it worked, oh. in, in Amazing Frog it doesn't work. How is that? How do you... How, what? It's, it's so simple. It's just really, really shit. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't stop playing it. And hating it. <laughs> I hate Amazing Frog. And I love almost all frog-related things. <laughs> so, that's a thing. Um, Still got to play it, though. Seems like... Oh, a, yeah, a, I mean... Is it a know, profit deal? Does it cost money to buy? I think I think you, like... It tries to have the goal to put, like, in-app purchases and stuff in it. But <laughs> it's it, really funny. It costs nothing to download it and... Uh, oh, okay. Oh, I think what it is, you can pay money to rewind. I, I don't know. But, you know, it costs nothing to download because everything's got a demo on it, yeah? So just download it and play it until you hit a paywall. Uh, I didn't hit any noticeable paywall while I was playing. Um, just the wall of my own tolerance for the inane and the worst. <laughs> so it's one of those games where I'd say if you are getting an OER, you do need to play Amazing Frog. Not because it's good, but just to experience the 
broken majesty of Amazing Frog. It sounds like kind of the the face of Ouya right now, in a way. It's like, this is fun, it knows it's dumb, it broke, and we're sorry. But here it is. We got you a broken thing that you can like, because it's different. (laughs) That's basically the Ouya for you. Yeah. We brought you you a broken thing. Have you played a bit of Fist of Awesome yet? Awful game. <laughs> it it seems like it, you it know could what? Be good. Just yeah. being kooky and ironic mm-hmm. isn't enough. Not at all. There's so it's many not enough. Products. Yeah, it's got to be fun to play physically. It's not play. Huh? It's like oh, haha! He's punching a deer. I like that is funny. Don't get me wrong. And it's funny when I do a jump kick and he goes, oh, it is funny. But if it's married to, um, what's the, the correct word? A fucking piece of shit. It kind of undermines itself. Sure. I don't think they intended it to be terrible. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> so far, I mean, like the best games on there are things that are available elsewhere, you know? Mm, and. Sure better like deep dungeon to doom is free on ios right now and it's easily oh. the best game on the the uya as far How's, as I'm... uh have you played towerfall i love towerfall seems fun yeah again i think that's like available elsewhere um that's the one i think they might have secured it for at least i think so oh, no, i'm sorry no no towerfall is exclusive i was talking yeah at least towers. for now i was talking about nightmare tower oh i don't know what that is um, definitely get that one on if you don't have any other device for it. That's a re- that's actually a, a, a game on ER that works really well. Nightmare Tower. Yeah. Oh, okay. Done any emulation on there? I've downloaded some emulators and had a look. I've not really had time to full on put like ROMs and shit on there to try it. And sure, sure, sure. It's, I, a, uh, hmm? it's an interesting idea. I think that's what a lot of people under the counter are into. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, I have so many old Commodore 64 games that I can, in my mind, publicly say I'm going to emulate because I do own the floppy disks still. They're just a little wet and melted for having them for 20 years? 25 years, I think I've had some of those. a long fucking time. Yeah, yeah, they still exist. Play me some Dizzy Prince of the Oak folk. I've heard of Dizzy, but Dizzy wasn't as hot here in the United States. We were busy playing Mail Order Monsters and Racing Construction Set and other EA games that existed when EA was like a small up-and-coming company that was... When they uh, were indie. Yeah, Yeah. they were basically... They wanted to take the rock star prestige that people uh, got from indie rock and roll music and apply that to video games and all their boxes... Or like uh, like record albums with like interior art and stuff and pictures of the actual game developers in there. They tried to give a face to game developers. Oh, that's why it was called Electronic Arts. Because uh-huh. it was a focus on the art and the exactly. artists. Yeah. My how things change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have been a more perfect origin for EA. Yeah. Just yeah. perfect. Well, you, they, they, you become the thing you hate eventually. Yeah. Mm, we all do. Yeah, I suppose I have. So, yeah. yeah. I should do the pod toy <sighs> Yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk as well. 
this weekend I went to the Screwatech Gaming Convention. Oh, I didn't even ask. What a dum-dum. And you did a panel with Adam Sessler, and you saw Craig. You saw good old Stutter and Craig. You had fan interactions. Tell us all about that thing. It was good stuff. Um, yeah, I went to Dallas for the weekend. Uh, there, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Met a lot of fans of Destructoid, of uh, the Junquisition, of Podtoid. Um, there were quite a few Podtoid fans there. Oh, that's nice. Met a group of them who wanted to eat steakums with me. Oh. Um, but they wanted to insist that we'd call them steak thems, which I found <laughs> wonderful. Um, but I was supposed to meet them and actually we were going to go eat steak, but didn't get the chance to encounter them again, um, sadly. But what else did I do? Met Lisa Foyles, Movie Bob from The Escapists. Uh, lovely to see them. Uh, always good to see Bob. Um Fans were fantastic. A lot of people were wanting me to phone up their friends who weren't there, um, take photographs and sign things. Like they, they actually had an autograph session for me, which I just felt weird. Um, and like, like I was being arrogant, like it was my idea. Like I turned up and said, "Right, I want to do autograph." Um, and that was cool because someone handed, me, someone gave me an Animorphs book to sign, which made my day. Just sliding an Animorphs book across the table. Can you sign that, please? Um, so that was fun. Uh, met Adam Sessler for the very first time. Um, and then, like, a minute after I met him, we had to go do a panel together. So it was like our first meeting was this big public panel. Uh, where And that was a lot of fun. Sessler's really cool. And we sort of bounced off each other really well. I had um, very similar ideas and interesting debates where we disagreed. And... A guy went round the crowd with a hat, and people would write down just one sentence or one word and put it in the hat, and the hat would be brought up to us, and we'd pick one at random, and then we'd talk about whatever the subject was, like some sort of hot topic, controversy, you know. You know, one was about Cliffy B, one was about DRM, one was about the Xbox One, etc., etc. And that was cool. Someone had wrote Chungus. Oh. And we drew it from the hat. What did he uh, He doesn't know about Chungus, does he? No, he doesn't. Uh... And that was a magic moment to have Adam Sessler turn around and just be like, now, now what is Chungus? <laughs> and I had to explain it. And then to the crowd, it was a very full room, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to estimate hundreds were in there. Oof. I talked about your Chungus, Jonathan. My Chungus? I said that Jonathan Holmes has the most beneficial Chungus of all. And there was a, a rabble of shattered in the audience who applauded and cheered. And they were very happy that they, I said your name. And I, I explained what Chungus was. I explained Podtoid and said, you know, I do a show with, uh, with Jonathan Holmes and Conrad Zimmerman. And it is fun. And we talk about Chungus and Willem Dafoe. And uh, people were clapping. They were really happy. So good Podtoid fans in the crowd. That was cool. Um... So yeah, the panel actually is online uh, somewhere. I think there's a YouTube video of it now. Uh, so it's worth looking. That was fun. It was a good event, and I'd like to thank everyone who turned up, be they fans of the Junquisition or, or Destructoid or Podtoid or whatever. Uh, thank you for saying hello and doing a thing. It was a lot of fun. What did, what did Adam have to say about Chungus? He just wanted to know what Chungus was, and I explained <laughs> it. And then it was just moving on after that. Yeah, we moved on. Did well, he... what more? What more would need to be said? Yeah. I would react probably. Made fun of I David react. Cage. That sounds funny. I did an impression of him as usual, and uh, talked about Willem Dafoe being the devil. It was, uh, it was fun. Oh, that sounds good. I wish I was there. Would have been fun. Maybe next year. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I actually tried to get them to ship you over, Jonathan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because we were talking about having uh, someone from Destructoid there as a member of Destructoid, like, covering it um, mm. and stuff. And there was talk of maybe sending Chris or Dale. Um, and I said to Craig, I said, I want Jonathan Holmes there, and I want his hotel room next to mine. And she was talking about maybe arranging it, but nothing came of it. So maybe uh-huh. maybe if we do it again, you know, we can uh, have you shipped over and do things. Uh, sure, I will go on a trip. I will not be shipped and uh, over and and do things, but I will I will go and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Should I? I didn't mean to jump to questions so quickly. I felt like a jerk. Should do you want more time before I ask the question? I don't know. I mean, I'm. I think I've. Oh, I know what we could do. Yeah. Quickly, because people were fucking whining last time. Oh, the show's too short because it's not exactly two hours. Fucking hell. Was it? It didn't start at two hours. When we first started with Max and Tara, it was like an hour and a half, and we were feeling tired at the end. I know. And no, people got... now demanding. They demand so much. Um, but I do have a Willem Dafoe movie pitch. Oh, good. Yes, please do that. Yeah. It's, um, it's only a little one. It was something me and Alex were talking about the other day. It's called Die on My Dick Tonight. <laughs> Willem Dafoe stars as a guru, a lifestyle coach, a teacher of men. I'm a guru and a lifestyle coach and a teacher of men. I bring happiness into everybody's lives. I'm Dr. Dick. Man. Dr. Dickman. MD. And he has a very successful practice. He um, teaches a lot of new age therapy. Um, particularly deals with like terminally ill people, helps them move on with their lives, um, the depressed, the suicidal, and he uh, has therapy with them. You know, one um, of his patients is a character called Dave Boreanaz, played by Matt Borealis. Um, or was that the other way around? I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I really got that mystified me. It's so. just confusing now, isn't it? Mm, um, interesting, though. So let's just say a man who looks a lot like Angel from the hit TV series Angel. Um, he's sad about his life because he's um, he thinks he's a vampire. Uh, he's not, but he, you know he wants no. He's got very bad depression uh, and he is dying of pineapples. What? Just pineapples growing inside him. He's just like, oh, doctor, pineapples are in it. And it's like, oh, God, this is the worst case of pineapples i ever seen. Um, it's, the, it's the far future of 2013. And uh, lots Maybe. of mutant illnesses happen. It and is 2013. Pineapples is one mm-hmm. of these far future diseases where, like, little pineapples grow inside your body and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger and, like, cut your heart with their oh. sharp spines on their epidermis. Ooh, that does sound like a terrible disease. Awful disease. And then Matt Borealis has it. And he is sad and thinks there's no future because he, A, thinks he's a vampire, B, is depressed, and C, pineapples. Um, and he's been working with Dr. Dickman for a long time. Just sort of, he's been helping him accept, fight, understand that, you know, He's not long for this earth. He's in a lot of pain. He's not happy. And after a long time, this is what Dr. Dickman does. Like, once once he's reached a level of understanding and trust, um, 
and he's not sure he can help them anymore because some people just can't accept uh, and deal with with the issues they have in life. He sits down with with Matt Borealis and he's like, "Hey, Matt Borealis, star of TV's Angel, do you want to die on my dick tonight?" <laughs> no. No, you don't say that. To your There's a reason. Dr. Dickman. There's a reason for it. Okay. Because when I was a young boy, I was coiced. I was coiced by a village shaman from the jungles of Oobububu. <laughs> this is not a... This is not a... Okay. So you're... <laughs> You're dying of, okay, of pineapples, but you're dying of something. Yeah. And your doctor yeah. asks if you want to die on his dick tonight, you leave. But <laughs> maybe he could stop you and be like, no, 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 seriously, hear me out. It's not how it sounds. And then he just starts talking about his childhood, and you're supposed to be like, oh, well, in that case, sure, shaman? I mean, come on. <laughs> All right, I didn't mean to interrupt. Suspend your disbelief. I am trying to. I will do it. <laughs> You know, this is a world where pineapples scratch your heart. <laughs> well, that convinced me. Anything's possible when it comes to medical illnesses. They're coming up with new, like, just white ooze will come out of the sewer and eat you. I don't know if you've heard about that. No. But stuff is real now, yeah. Well, there you go. You know, this is the year 2013 where white ooze eats people and you get pineapples in your lungs. Anyway. <clears throat> mm. So, shaman. Mm-hmm. I was coiced by a shaman. Because I stole all of his pogs. And I sold them to eBay. (laughs) (laughs) There's still no reason to die on a man's dick that night. No, no, because this is... Listen, Matt Borealis. I see you're trying to suspend your disbelief. So allow me to... To... Upend your belief. The case says... That anybody who I have sex with will die mid-coitus, but in a very peaceful way. It's quite good for them. It's annoying for me. And I thought, why not turn this case into a blessing and use my deadly dick to heal the world? Healing the world... With my deadly dick. You up for a terminal dickin' or what? And Matt Borealis is like, well, I find this hard to believe. But I'll tell you what, Doc, I'm willing to try anything. And he pulls down his... Wait, no, no, try it. (laughs) He's got very little time left. He takes off his The one thing he knows will kill him is Dr. Dickman's uh, cursed penis. Well, it's Why? basically euthanasia. I'll try anything. <laughs> Kill me with your magical evil dick. <laughs> no, that's not the... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's... <laughs> it's... No, no, I appreciate the feedback. You helped me structure it as I go. Um, so anyway, you know, this guy, like, Borealis has tried everything. There's no cure. He's in pain. He is sad and thinks he's a vampire. He wants to die. And Dickman, you know, in his state, euthanasia is legal, and he offers uh, 
the the best way to die. Not the the chemicals that calmly and even like relaxing no. soothe you. Well, that's the thing. Euthanasia is legal, mm-hmm. but the oppressive government took away all drugs that are used in euthanasia. Took them away. <laughs> yeah. To the to the shack to lock, the lock, house. Lock them in a shed. Yeah. That's a very valuable shed. I'm sure that people are trying to break in a lot. The shed orbits the Earth. (laughs) So you can't get to it, even with a big ladder. They've tried. There's a scene where Brendan Fraser is like, well, I'm going to go up there and get it. And he gets a stepladder and climbs up about five feet in the air and says, well, that's not high enough. (laughs) Get some bricks. Get some bricks and I'll climb up this ladder, yeah. I'm picturing him falling off the ladder and a, a pineapple, like, pressing against the inside of his chest and you see it spiking. Oh! Yeah. Oh, God. He, Pineapples. He's, like, got a, like, almost like a, like a, that scene in Aliens where the chestburster mm. comes out of Ripley and stretches her skin. Just a big pineapple-shaped wad of flesh comes out of Brendan Fraser's open-shirted chest. And then you go, he clutches it and goes, Aah! and then sees the shed orbiting overhead and just shakes his fist at it and says, damn you, euthanasia shed, I'll get you yet. And then it goes back to um, Dick, Dickman and um, Matt Borealis. And he's like, well, you know, euthanasia is legal, but the evil government in its ironic ways says I can't kill you with any drugs. But there's no rule against my terminal tickler. So get your pants off and let's do this. And um, that Borealis takes his pants off and, and uh, his shirt and he's naked, totally naked. And um, Willem Dafoe is naked, totally naked, and lies on his back and uh, he's got his big penis. And... Angel, TV's angel squats over him and, and lowers while he just goes, ah, I just died on your dick tonight. Is that the music or is that angel singing? I should have been giving you head. <laughs> I just died on your dick tonight. And, um, yeah, let's have Matt Borealis sing it. He's, uh, you know, sweaty, just like too sweaty for some reason just like dripping wet and he's only been on the dick for like uh, three seconds and he's just sweating and it's pouring off him he's got his hands behind his head and his eyes are closed and he's, his head's just rocking backwards and forwards and he's going I, I just died on a dick he's <laughs> dying this is the end of his life this is that time when you look back and think Oh, I should have done this, and I'm so happy this happened. And oh, love, oh, childbirth, oh, got through college. No, he's got his head uh, rocking back and forth. I assume eyes closed. Yeah, I love it. Hands behind his head, just working himself to death. <laughs> that he that was his doctor. This is a medical procedure yeah. <laughs> that he's decided to to sing through. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Borealis. You're skewering yourself, silly. I might told you death stick. Hey, Matt. Wanna die? <laughs> On my dick tonight? 
And Matt Borea says, yes, I do. And then just sort of peacefully sort of looks like he's fallen asleep. Just, oh, 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 like that and just slops off. And dies? Very peacefully. Um, lands on the floor and curls into a fetal position and turns green. Whoa. And then it looks like all cracks are forming over his body, but it's not because the cracks separate and they're leaves. And he's just turned into a pile of leaves that just blow off on the wind. And one one leaf just sort of flies near Willem Dafoe and he catches it in his hand, just snatches it out of the air and just kisses the leaf. Good night, sweet prince. And lets the leaf fly away and joins the others. And then the leaves whirlwind around outside the office and fly up into the sky. And you just hear Matt Borealis's ghostly voice just say, I'll see you in heaven now. Whoa. Whoa. I was sure there was going to be a twist ending where the penis was a cure. And that, you know, the, the like the story of Job, I believe that's the one in the Bible where Job's like, well, I guess I'll be tortured by God and this will be terrible. And then God's like, oh, you really do love me. You don't love me just for the treats that I give you. You you love me for me. Well, then you're going to be fine. Uh, that doesn't happen to, to Matt Borealis. He really no. dies and turns into leaves. It doesn't happen to... Um, it doesn't happen to the next five characters that this happens to either. <laughs> That's not the end of the movie. Which different ones come in. Um, you know, Sandra Bullock is next. She comes in. You know, she's also ill. Um... Mm. Pineapples. Uh, Again? Yeah, guts. It's like an epidemic. I'll tell you what, you want to die on my dick? And she's all like, yes. And then, and she falls down. And, um, you know, the whole, more or less the same thing happens, but she sort of sloughs off and, and eyes closed, smile on her face. She's happy. She's gone peacefully. She's gone, she's gone the way all of us want to go. And she falls on the floor and turns white. And it looks like there's all cracks all over her, but it's not. Because it just, her body just sort of falls down flat. Because it's a pile of, of marbles now. Just glass marbles now. And they, they, um, they just roll off. And they roll under the door of the office. And just, there's one little marble left behind. And Willem Dafoe just snatches it off out the ground. And just puts it in his mouth. And swills it around a bit. And then pulls it out, and there's like a bridge of spit between his lower lip and the marble. He just pulls it like that. And he just goes, good night, sweet prince. And puts the marble on the floor like that and gives it a little tap on its head. And it rolls away, and you just hear Sandra Bullock just saying, I'll see you in heaven now. And it goes away. She was a prince? Yeah, sweet prince. And she's in heaven now. And then... um, This happens constantly, all the time. And, and, and in between each scene, you've got Brendan Fraser um, with a bigger ladder trying to get up to the euthanasia shed to get the drugs so that people um, around the world are free to die uh, naturally and peacefully instead of pineapples. And this is obviously a big metaphor for America and its uh, war on terror. What? And at the end... Brendan Fraser eventually gets a ladder big enough to go up into the shed. He climbs up there 
Brendan Fraser's climbing a ladder. Gonna go to the shed in space. And he goes through an atmosphere of just leaves and marbles that are just all... They make up the ozone layer of Earth now. And he's climbing through them. And he gets to the shed. And he says, at last... At last, I can euthanize myself instead of dying on a dick tonight. And he opens the shed, and inside is Willem Dafoe, naked, greasing his dick, and he just says, What? There's no such thing as euthanasia drugs. Do you want to die on my dick instead? And Brendan Fraser says, Oh, you are the government. Yes, that's right. I... What? I... <laughs> Oh, is he? he is the the whole government, I, uh, Doctor Dickman. I really let this one go on too long. <laughs> no, you can you can uh, make this. You can tie this up. I believe you can make this right. He was Obama the whole time. Yeah, that's that's just it. He opens the shed. Willem Dafoe's in there naked with a penis as long as a, a horse's leg. And it's just like snaking around and snapping about in the shed. And he just looks at Brendan Fraser and goes, ah, 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 I am Obama! And that's the end. And he closes the shed and climbs back down the ladder and just says, it's pineapples for me. He just would rather die from pineapples. He would rather die. He was the one man who didn't want to die on a dick that night. And, and the message of the story, because that's what happens is... Um, is uh, it fades to black and then text comes up a famous you know an inspiring quote that says the message of the movie, and and it is, all it takes, is for one good man, to not die on a dick tonight. He's the hero for not turning into marbles or leaves happily. Yeah, that's good. That was very personal for me. That one. I'm. Um. I feel drained, but I feel mm. good. Good. That that was. I like died it. on a dick tonight. I feel like I've died on a dick tonight. <laughs> well, I'm gonna launch into the questions. Yes. Yes. Press tweet. Press I pressed it. it. A little circle happened. The tweet has been posted. I don't know if people still like doing podtoid questions. Had somebody ask if they could email me ahead of time to do a really long question. He's like, I've got a really long question. Can I email you before you do the questions? And it's flattering that he wants to ask us anything. It was, uh, I believe it was Patrick. This is a few tweets down. I want to be doubly sure. But I said you can't do that because then everybody would, either I'd have to cheat and uh, give people special treatment or everyone would be able to email me all the time any question that they have. And I've gotten a lot of strange emails lately. I can't remember if I mentioned on the show last week that somebody PM'd me as soon as I got to E3. I was jet lagged and exhausted and I sit down, I set up the computer because I think a press conference was already going on. I got a PM, I'm thinking, oh, this better be important. And it's a guy being like, Holmes, I can't stop thinking about cheating on my wife. Oh my god. I really need your help. I started an account on a, on a dating website and then I erased it and but now I'm tempted to start it again, and then the, there started being really funny typos in there after that, so it was hard to take it seriously. And I think his name was like Giant Flash Card. 
just, just why giant flashcard? Why are you? We've never met. Why he was asking me for advice? It was very flattering, but I, I am not the man or the person to help yeah. him. Well, I think you still haven't responded to him. Sadly, I should. I want free therapy from you now. Giant flat through PMs. Yeah. Through Destructoid's PM system, I'm supposed to explain to him. And I don't know why he wants to cheat on his wife. Maybe he they just got married, he said. I don't know, Giant Flashcard. Jesus I hope just the, got married? Yeah, and he's really? like, the responsibility is getting to him or something. I I should have helped him in his marriage. I admit it. It's he's true. He's probably, yeah. He's probably then, killed everyone in the house, including himself now. <laughs> I started a PM back to him, but I was uh, dead tired. And then I think... Well, your time's your own. Well, I had to. I destructoid had just flown me out to E3. I felt like I better write about video games that night. Yeah, and to cover some press. Thing. I get it a lot. I've actually asked Nero to make the PM button less visible. Um, not because I don't want to talk to people, <laughs> but, but you get a lot. Yeah, I, I, I people. I don't think because obviously they're sending one PM. They're sending one private message, and they think that's all that is happening because that's all they see. That's their transaction. Um, but it happens a, a ton, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and unless it's like the guy who said, next time you're in London, um, I look a bit like the guy from that Snakes on a Plane music video with the long hair that you like. Do you want to bang? <laughs> I will spend all of my time on those types of messages. Anything else I'm probably not going to get to. Um and I get, you know, I get a lot of messages, whether it, I get emails, PMs, Facebook messages, and Twitters, and I try and respond, but I get so many. And, you know, especially if it's people who just want to have an argument or like a private one-on-one -on -one debate about something, sure. I can't do it. Um, and, and, you know, the same goes with Jonathan here. He can't be dispensing personal one-on-one -on -one therapy. <sighs> I wanted to. But it, it, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't properly armed for the task. And there's other stuff I had to do that I could actually do well. I could write about video game LeBron James that night. I couldn't give you really good advice about you wanting to cheat on your wife that night. Yeah. I mean, it's not that we're not willing, guys. We no. will help you cheat on your other halves <laughs> as much as you want. I wanted to explain to him his feelings, maybe, but I don't know what they are. I certainly don't want him to cheat on his wife. That'll be bad for everybody involved. I was actually going to send him a game called uh, I Cheated on You. You guys should look it up. It's a twine game. It's pretty fun. It's a cute little narrative, depressing, sorrowful, realistic, uh, but cute because twine is inherently cute to me. And it's about someone who cheated on their girlfriend. You should just play that. That is my advice to you, Flashcard Jones. Uh, but the questions are in. Should I do them? Let's do them. Do it. Well, Curtis Bonds is number one at the list right now. And this is something I've wanted to bring up anyway. So it's perfect. Thank you, Curtis Bonds. He asks, does it bother you guys that there aren't too many Wii games in the future, Wii U games, I'm sorry, that utilize the features of the gamepad? Meaning uh, there aren't too many Wii U games coming up where you, like with Zombie U, you, you're playing on the TV, but you, you need to use the gamepad screen for other stuff simultaneously, and it kind of uh, makes you feel like it's that special feature that the only the Wii U can do. Um, every single Wii U game I played at E3 had off-TV play, which was good, 
but none of them did any funny tricks with the uh, the gamepad. What do you guys think about that? Care or not care? Well, I mean, it happened with the Wii. It's to be expected, you know. Um, for me, the yeah. biggest feature of the gamepad has always been it's just nice to hold for a big-handed guy like me. Mm-hmm. I like the feel of the Wii U gamepad. I like how it feels for all sorts of different games. Uh, and I'm also not a big fan of, of, a, of using something in a way that is only useful for exploiting technology and doesn't actually make the game better. Um, having to stop and start and lift the gamepad and move shit around or or stop playing the game to put in fiddly fucking codes and shit on the touchscreen, that just takes me out of the game. It doesn't make it more immersive for whatever it is they try and tell you it is. Well, you did like Zombie U, but it didn't do that all the time. Zombie U did it well, that's the mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. I just don't trust most games to do that kind of shit well, and I'd rather them just not be innovative at all than be innovative in a bad, obtrusive, look-at-me, look-at-me, show-off-y way. Uh, so I'm not that sad about it. It's, you know, you buy a Nintendo console... Chances are good you're there to uh, play Nintendo games, um, Mm. regardless of what the controls are. And, you know, some of us just want to be Princess Peach in a uh, snuggly, dumpily cat suit and run around and do a scratching and do a climbing up a wall. So, you know, I don't need to to wave a gamepad around or swipe on a touchscreen to enjoy that. So I'm not that bummed about it. It's interesting to me that... The Wii U is doing so many of the things that people wanted the Wii to do. Uh, it's cutting out the gimmicks pretty quickly. There, there's a few games that were coming out that seemed like they were trying to wow you with some new trick. It's just like, this is a video game. It is good. Play it. Uh, the online system for the Wii U is pretty good. The graphics are pretty good. It's, it's uh, you know There's a, a lot of things to like about it, yet it's not getting much attention still. No. People are kind of ignoring it um, at this point uh, still. And personally, I think that um, I read a Time article that thought, well, maybe they should just make a, a Wii U that is cheaper, is a good $100 or more cheaper that just has a regular controller then. Maybe they should give people that option to do that. And it's it would be a huge deal because, uh, as it is now, the user interface requires the, the gamepad and uh, quite a few like Nintendo Land and stuff wouldn't work at all, but uh, I can't. I don't know. That, I wonder. That dooms. That dooms the handheld. That's that the absolute that. killing blow to the. But game does it pad. save the Wii U from like? Let's say this year Who goes cares? by. Who cares? Who cares? Nintendo's got ten billion in the bank. They don't care. I don't. Like, well, they, they 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 want they care in so much that they want it to be successful, but they could screw up. A couple of consoles at this oh, rate. Sure. The 3DS is still making tons of money. There's no reason for them to abandon this just to save the Wii U. Platform. Well, not like today, but let's say this year goes by um, with the Super Mario 3D World, with Pikmin 3, with Wonderful 101, with Donkey Kong Country Returns, Tropical Freeze, all these games, and they still none of them sell, and it's still uh, floundering still uh, just barely squeaking by like PS Vita style. Then at that point, like next year, if you're Nintendo, do you say, "All right, we give up on this gamepad thing." Sorry. No, no, if you no, if you're Nintendo, what you do is you find a way to make it a little smaller with a slightly bigger screen and a little cuter and you sell it again. 
the Wii U Lite you're that suggesting? Is, I mean, Nintendo's got a very uh, bullheaded approach to these things. If it sees defeat, it will just keep doing it. It will just keep... And eventually they will win. They'll mm-hmm. have another victory at some point. Mm-hmm. I, no, I can't see them dropping. If anyone was going, you know, and it's like, okay, Microsoft and the Xbox One and Connect, they hear the same argument about people, you know, that's the thing to complain about, the $100 price difference, and people saying, oh, we can eliminate that by just make Connect optional. You can't. You can't make Connect optional. If you, I mean, not if you want to have Connect. If Microsoft wants Connect to be a thing, they have to make it part of the standard package. The minute it becomes an accessory, it's dead. Yeah, not to mention in the Wii U's case, it will just fracture the market now, and the last thing it needs right. is the market fractured some more. Um, the, the Wii U's already out. If they then um, brought out uh, a one without the gamepad, like Conrad said, it'll die, because no one will want to uh, produce something for a peripheral that may or may not be the default package. Mm-hmm. And this is why the PlayStation Move didn't uh, work out so well, because it was released so late into the PS3's lifespan. Well, and the, the um, Wii Motion Plus. Nintendo yeah. even integrated that in, but there's only like six games that require Motion Plus, and maybe 15 that use it at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. we even see this on the, the 3DS with the... the controller pro thing it's like oh my god yeah, yeah. I mean, people don't want to waste time supporting that shit because they just don't know if they're going to get their money's worth out of it because mm-hmm. it's it's a fractured market especially in a market that's already fractured in terms of saturation of entertainment you don't want to be making that situation even worse for yourself well what about like a soft relaunch like we give up on the gamepad completely sorry guys Bad idea. Now you just get a two. Oh, no, you see, there you go. You just said the one thing Nintendo will never say. Well, what you do? What what would you do that though, Conrad? Would I do? You were the type of guy who'd be like, yeah, I guess not. No, no, I would not do that. They have they have the money to have a bad generation or two. Mm -hmm. Their investors, by and large, have figured out that they are long term positive. Mm -hmm. They're fine. Just go through this generation, work on the next console. Keep keep making your Nintendo products. That audience will be satisfied. That Nintendo audience is going to come around. It may be later in the gen. They're going to come and buy one once you can make it cheap enough and the library is there of core Nintendo products. If the, the goal really needs to be to try and get more Wii units in the homes with their games. That's what always does it. The features, it doesn't matter at this mm-hmm. point. They can't cut it and fracture the market. They have to just drive through. Well, that was decided. Great deciding, you guys. I enjoyed every second of that deciding conversation. 44 questions came in. Jesus Christ. We... <laughs> oh, there was one more. We need to decide more quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was good. That was an exciting conversation. Jeez. Um, Christian Alaricon, who is Eternal Dead Man on Twitter, says, I can't get over The Last of Us. Talk some more about it. Are you guys talking about it? He just wants to keep thinking about it. Oh, yeah, that also came up in the the Road to Hell review thread. Oh, really? The Last of Us? Yeah, just people who can't let go of things. That's what I presume he's making light of. I'm reading so many people. No, I, 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 a lot of people are just getting through The Last of Us, at least on my Twitter feed right now. I'm And I'm reading uh, just other companies retweeting about how much they love The Last of Us. Uh, oh, The Last got, of Us. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Sorry, mm-hmm. it's late in the day. I was thinking of the last story. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, because uh, that uh, came up today. Um... What? <laughs> you kind of liked it, but not really. It's, uh, it's not easy. Yeah, so, no, The Last of Us, yeah, that's a good game. People are saying it is the best game. They're freaking out. They're saying this is the game. This is the game, you guys. You should buy a PS3 just for this game right now. I was hanging out with uh, Anthony Carboni uh, the day before it came out at E3, and we were just sitting there having drinks, and he's like, oh yeah, people are talking about this, but but tomorrow, tomorrow everyone's, the conversation's going to change entirely about narrative. I mean, it's totally going to change. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Settle down. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people are saying it. Um, Yeah. The guys who made Papa and Yo. Papa and Yo. Yeah, I know. I'll never get that right. They're talking about it, and Vander. a lot of people are. Yeah, they're they're putting their game and The Last of Us in kind of the same category of like talking about things in games that are farther than other yeah. mainstream games have done. Well, so. I think The Last of Us's biggest strength, what it did that no one else really does, um, and I will definitely put this against you know Heavy Rain and and these other games that that boast strong narrative and stuff what the last of us does that so few video games have ever ever even attempted to do is subtlety Mm. the last of us um you know it has mushroom zombies and shit but the genuine moments the genuine character moments the actual relationships between characters the way people are feeling it's it's done with nuance. It's done with subtlety. It's as it can be something as small as the way the main character Joel inclines his head, the way um, Ellie says something in a certain tone, uses a certain tone of phrase. These guys aren't just voice acting, and the character models aren't just animating. It's a cohesive performance. They're they're performing. They're doing what video game characters don't do. They, they're performing. And with a performance, subtlety is everything. It's what makes a story believable. It's what makes us believe these people are, are characters or are actual people rather than just avatars to control. Um, there is a, an amazing degree of depth to The Last of Us, and it isn't... And when I say depth, I don't mean needlessly complex or says certain words on a list of words that make us sound mature. I mean actual depth, actual fleshed-out characters in a fleshed-out world where small things matter. And that's why The Last of Us is being considered, rightfully in my opinion, an important step in game narrative. It makes sense that Naughty Dog cut their teeth on big kind of ridiculous stuff like uncharted but added so much craft to it to to elevate it beyond what people had seen before in terms of at least trying to ape the style you see in movies and people had a lot of respect for the characterization in uncharted even though the the actual content of the story and and the has the the way the gameplay fuses with what characters are feeling and thinking you know there's some stuff to complain about there but uh, those seem like the perfect kind of practice games they're they're safe enough they deal with the kind of 
material that's already very palatable to people. People are ready to absorb just to like a big dumb action movie. And that's where you could hone your craft around the kind of stuff they did and then do something a lot more risky, a lot a lot less feel good and like entertaining like uh, The Last of Us. It's a pretty, I haven't finished it, but it's it's pretty feel bad. It's not trying to give you a roller coaster ride for the most part. It's sure, like, sure. You're in trouble. This feels awful. But this again, is a real person that's going to be so sad if you fail. But again, like um, any real story um, concerning real people, it isn't just depressing all the time. Characters mm-hmm. will crack jokes. There are moments of, of, of levity. Um, Ellie in particular, you know, she's likable because she has these upbeat moments and moments between her and Joel are like uplifting. Um, and that's another trap games fall into sometimes where they want to be dark and they want to be mature. And they think that means just being depressing 24-7 with unlikable characters who are just miserable and just complain uh, and just look sad all the time. Um, and again, it speaks to that total lack of fucking nuance, total lack of subtlety uh, that, that has been like a millstone around the neck of video game story. And that's, again, something The Last of Us nails so perfectly. It it alters the mood in such a way that it's thematically consistent. It's always going to be muted. It's always going to be a lot more intimate, Um in terms of, of, of what people are saying and how they interact. But at the same time, there is a very real difference in tone between certain moments, certain scenes, certain interactions. Um, and it takes only a hair's breadth to alter the mood while keeping it consistent. Um, but hair's breadth is something the video game industry as a whole has no concept of. And The Last of Us has introduced that concept. Sounds awesome. I can't wait for the sequel. The the more the other Last of Us more Last of the yeah <laughs> the final Last of Us oh wait there's some others <laughs> that'd be cute uh, Taylor Martin who is at the local flavor but I think he he's asked several Podtoid questions and I think he's changed his Podtoid name just in I mean uh, changed his Twitter name over the course of asking no that's not true there's two guys with the exact same Willem Dafoe picture who yeah. are obsessed with you jim there's also gareth boyle who has so many biscuits um anyway i'm gonna do the other guys sorry gareth boyle because the this other man taylor he wants it's his 18th birthday isn't that great it only happens once in life guys you only turn 18 once anybody can be 19 anybody can be 17 but he can only be 18 once he wants jim to give him a funny name like chicken chungus which he thinks is funny or Freaky Constantina, he said. Give him a name like that, because he's 18 now. <laughs> and when you're 18, you get your new name. That's right, from you. He wants yeah. it. Um, Got a name for the local flavor? Tutankhamun Bean Dunkus. <laughs> That's bean, as in coffee bean, hyphen Dunkus. Tutankhamun, Bean Dunkus? Tutankhamun, like the Egyptian pharaoh, Bean mm. Dunkus. You, that was very great for him. He is happy now. Jeez, uh, so many other questions. How many more do you guys want to do? You name it, I'll do it. A million. A million more. Well, we could probably do that. 
if you want. Probably can we get cracking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel XRO and wants to know what's your favorite game of 2013 so far. Last of Us. Mm. I, I guess it would have to be The Last of Us so far for me. I haven't even played The Last of Us at all because I had to make a choice. Uh, it was that or Animal Crossing New Leaf. Whoa, what an interesting choice. Um, and then when I showed the wife video of The Last of Us, she was like, that game looks really unattractive. Like, it just, she, like, it, it was not a great stream of the content. I think it was, we were watching one of the Sony pre-E3 events or something. And, uh, and she's like, oh god, that looks ugly. And it's like, well, it's supposed to. I mean, no, it means graphically. No, it's just the stream. The game looks gorgeous. Trust me, I promise, sweetie. But uh, then when it came to light that she could be the mayor of a town in Animal Crossing, that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> yeah, it is a magical game, Animal Crossing. Are you liking it at all, Conrad? Uh, it's Animal Crossing. I'm not that. F- I'm not far enough into it because, unfortunately, she became the mayor and has yet to return to an- <laughs> to the town. <laughs> so she's just got her tent up, and none of the cool stuff that needs to kind of be started by the mayor has started happening. But um, yeah, I like Animal Crossing. It's it's fine. I would say my first 20 minutes, or maybe even my first day with Animal Crossing New Leaf, I'm like, oh, it's just Animal Crossing again. And then someone was like, dude, you heard about Perfect Fruit? Yeah, I know what? you and your perfect fruit. I actually I had perfect. I actually what? had perfect fruit. My first uh, tree I shook. What? Shook out perfect orange. Went planted it. I got a perfect uh, orange tree growing. It's already produced fruit. That's incredible. My uh, my wife also had that, but she sold the fruit. And then Spencer Hayes, the lovely Spencer Hayes, who we spent a lot of time with at E3, he got a perfect pear. He gave it to me. Planted it in my town because I was very sick at E3 and he felt badly for me. Turns out, guys, you can't plant perfect fruit in somebody else's town. It just grows crappy fruit. Doesn't work. They knew you were going to try that. Well, I wonder can you can you give gifts to um, people through like can you give gifts through mail to people in other towns? Still, is that an option? Uh, Not over the internet, I don't think. But I haven't tried that actually. So. But that I don't think that would work. Way to, no, they, way to make work. they specifically made it so your perfect fruit will only grow in your ecosystem, in your town. Ooh, and your ooh. perfect fruit tree dies. You know that tree's going to die, right? Okay. you got to save at least one perfect fruit, Conrad. Or else I've, already planted, die. I've already planted another perfect fruit. And, and I that don't tree's care gonna that die much. Too. you got to yes. care. This no. is important. Animal Crossing is more important than anything else. Okay, know. yeah, you've... Have you got a like, wetsuit yet? If this show wasn't going to cause people to think and that you have lost touch with reality up to this point... No, I'm totally in reality. Animal Crossing's way better. <laughs> have you got a wetsuit yet? No. It's important. So anyway, Animal Crossing is my favorite game of uh, this year. I love it so much. It's great, man. Yeah. So many little surprises. We just uh, are opening up our dance club now, run by a psychiatrist who is like some sort of Weird squid-headed guy. I'm still trying to figure out what Dr. Shrunk is. Do you guys know? Thinking about no. Dr. Shrunk, you guys? He's a prick. <laughs> Another question. Let's see. Are there any... Are any of the pod ta- pod toyed crew into wrestling games? Some of us are into wrestling, but do you guys like wrestling video games all that much? I used to. 
Yeah, something that you that you can only spend so many years on wrestling video games, I think. That's well, my opinion. They eventually got, you know, paranoid about not being innovative enough, which normally gets people in the end. Mm-hmm. And the last one I played, it was some SmackDown versus Raw was just rubbish. Like, t- <coughs> oh, excuse me. Sneezedums. Did a, I did a sneeze. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, like I played one on the Xbox 360, and it was that it was trying to do too much at once, and I didn't like it. Um, the last one I really liked was when it was just like I think it was just SmackDown on the PS2. I used to love the shit out of that, but uh, that was the last one I really got into. The, the more recent ones, I've just there's something about them. There's something about them that doesn't have the kind of simplicity I used to enjoy from them. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like that scratch. Like how with Animal Crossing, you played New Leaf and you were like, the feeling of discovery, of newness, of really being there and and wondering what would happen next in that world. You didn't have that as much with New Leaf, even though technically, did everything all right. Same with the wrestling game. Even if you try to innovate, it's just going to take away from what you like about wrestling. But at the same token, what you like about those games you've already experienced so many times, it's hard to go back again. Mm. That's how I feel about them. Uh, how about you, Conrad? Do you ever like a wrestling video game? Uh, no, not particularly. No, no I'm, I'm not competitive in that way, um, yeah. I think. I just don't... I, I, I liked watching wrestling as a kid in, like, the height of WrestleMania, of uh, Hulkamania. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was... You know, there was something kind of larger than life and fascinating about it. And then, uh, as, a, as a, an adult, I liked watching people watch wrestling. Because I thought that that was really interesting that these grown men would find this to be entertaining. Um, beer helps. And then, um, yeah, I, but the games never did it for me. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Super Newt 51 who is also Nick on Twitter, says, Do you think with the Supreme Court ruling today, we might start seeing devs bring more same-sex topics into their games? Uh, for those who don't know. The Supreme Court ruled that same-sex marriages will be recognized, I believe, by the federal government. Is that right? The ones that are legal in the respective states, the federal government will now recognize and help. That's what I believe I read today. Um, So, yeah, gayness. It is getting more normal for the world. Pretty cool. It's all getting a little less queer. It's going to be really interesting to see if game developers are going to try to... <sighs> sounds so cynical, but the first word that comes to my head is cash in. Whether they're going to be like, well, cater, this is acceptable now. Cater. 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 Uh, they know there's an audience for it. They know that it's going to be getting closer to like, it's going to shock the people who are afraid of it, but not... There, it's the tide is turning in that direction, so it's not gonna. They're not gonna have a unanimous attack from all of culture at them anymore because people's minds uh, are slowly changing. It seems like uh, even President Obama said he started to get less um, kind of uh, distanced from the idea and is now an active supporter of gay marriage, whereas before he said he was on the fence about it. So because well, yeah, he's never got to run for anything else the rest of his life. Right. And so many other people are saying they want to support it, but they didn't want to because they're afraid everybody would hate them. And now that they're seeing that you can get away with it and not get hated. um, Provided you never have to run for anything ever again the rest of your life. (laughs) I think he said he was uh, for gay marriage before 
I was before I was for gay marriage before I was ambivalent on it. <laughs> I think it was before his second election that he came out and actually said he supported a thing instead of. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. Right. I think so. But anyhow, do you guys think that's going to affect game developers right now? I don't know if it'll. I don't think today's don't... ruling will have a direct effect on it. I think just the fact that the gaming community is being a lot more socially conscious and a younger generation of people are more involved in games now. I think it's just a natural thing. I think it's just naturally that we're seeing um, LGBT stuff come up in games a lot more. And that's a good thing. It's an awesome thing. Uh, I don't feel if you want to tell a particular story, you should feel forced to do anything um, that goes against the story you want to tell. Um, I do think it would be very, very nice if in all games where you can create your own characters that you are not just tied constantly to male, female, and straight. Um, you know, I want to see a lot more of, of what we see in Mass Effect and uh, and um, Skyrim also allowed for, for a lot more choice there. Or, as, as far as gender goes, you know, do what uh, fucking Saints Row does, where it's just like, you can be literally any gender you want, and by that we don't mean to. Uh, which I think is awesome. Uh, so, you know, I think that's just a natural thing that's happening. I don't think that the ruling will have anything to do with that. I think that's just a separate, um, very nice thing that happened. Yeah, yeah, I think it's 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 a signifier of the times we're in um, more than anything. But, I, yeah, I don't see there being any real direct impact. And games are pushing those boundaries and have been for a long time um and and we're getting smarter it's it, it's gonna head this way anyway but. yeah yeah it's uh the direction things are going in it'll be interesting to see if video games try to get ahead of that curve or they stay behind it or 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 if you can even say that like if you can even say <laughs> and video I, games yeah it. i don't even know that you can uh get ahead of or i mean you can get behind the, the curve for sure but I don't know that it's something you can get ahead of because if, you know, no matter how far out there, you're really just riding the crest of a wave. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're still on, on part of it. Um, but progressing it and pushing it forward is never a bad thing. Yeah, well, it'll be fun to find out. Uh, people are asking so many questions about wrestlers. I just think that's interesting. Huh. So many, like, which what would your wrestler name be? What are your favorite wrestlers? I don't think they, they know that they're doing this. Um, but yeah, they're all asking about wrestlers. Do you even want to answer that? That's from CJ Steele. Chris Steele. He asks, if you guys were wrestlers, what were your names, entrance songs, and signature moves be? Also, would you be a face or a heel? I guess we'll take that question on. Why not? Patty Carr also wants to know, favorite wrestlers? Let's do all the wrestling questions. Yeah, why not? I like uh, I like the way that you hesitantly asked whether or not this was something we wanted to do, and then made late. the decision for us. Yeah. Well, yeah, I realized after I asked, you can't really say no. Then we wasted all this time. This is a democracy until it isn't. <laughs> uh, when I was a child, I was going to be a wrestler called the Milkman, and my older brother was going to be the Mailman. We were going to be a tag team partnership uh I, I might have talked about this on pod toy already uh, we were gonna threaten hulk hogan to smash him on the head with mail bags and milk bottles and stuff we were gonna pretend to be his 
angry milkman and mailman. Do they even do milkman anymore? Or is that just from like the old Andy Griffith show, like Leave it to Beaver? People don't deliver milk anymore. Yeah, I don't think they do. Yeah, we were going to be real pissed. Yeah. Oh, Hogan! Gonna fucking smash your face with the milk bag and the mail can, and you're not gonna like it. You know, sassy, angry, like the wrestlers do. So that I'm sticking with that. And my entrance song would be, um, "My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard." I suppose. <laughs> Dance around to that angrily. Smash Hulk Hogan with milk bag, mail can. Uh, how about you guys? I'd be one of those manager assholes. That's <laughs> yeah, perfect. You know, right. I mean, and there's there are he- like I know there's such a thing as a heel and a face, but they sort of I mean, there's no such thing as a face manager, no matter what anybody says, one way or the other. They're taking ten percent. They're assholes. <laughs> they're all yeah. heels. I, I think the closest Mean Gene was kind of a sidekick in the way that the managers are. He was the good guy. He'd always have to fight Mr. Fuji or Bobby the Brain Heenan or uh, I can't remember who the Iron Sheik hung out with. Somebody. Um, and people loved Paul Bearer, too. He, oh, he... yes! <laughs> uh, did he ever threaten the Ultimate Warrior? I'm, I'm picturing him saying that. Ultimate Warrior! Ultimate Warrior! <laughs> My Undertaker! When he died in wrestling, they they weaved it into the storyline. And somebody, I can't remember who, like Shawn Michaels or someone, stole the urn that was supposed to be filled with Paul Bearer's ashes. And an old wobbly undertaker got very angry at him. And Kane, like, threw a coffin on a man or something. Um, They they have no limits. No respect for anything. None. No, that's the way of showing respect, of being like, we are gonna, you're going to live on in our storyline now, even if it means us like dumping out your ashes and peeing <laughs> on them or whatever. We live on in that. But Jim, what about you? Who would your wrestling, who, who I mean, would you be? The Jimquisition stuff's practically a wrestling persona as it is. As is the theme tune, practically a wrestling theme tune. Mm, so mm-hmm. I'd probably just do all that. It's not impossible that you could segue into professional wrestling from your ever-budding fame in the video game press. Yeah, could happen. I'll go be a wrestler. I would, I would see it. I think a lot of people would. Well, Patrick Daggs asks, and he is uh, uh, at 6 come after 7, so he's someone who's into math. He asks, uh, how do porcupines? Question mark. How do porcupines? Why would you... <sighs> he sees how many questions come in. <laughs> he knows that it, it's, uh, it's he hard. He knows. He's hoping for this. <laughs> Just the oxygen of publicity. How do porcupines? Um, sweetly, I guess. I love them, porcupines. I think they're adorable. Some of my favorite characters in Animal Crossing. Mabel and Sable. The Abel sisters. So good. Can I play Animal Crossing while we do the show from now on? That's what I've been doing. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> writing your emails. <laughs> writing to Tabby. Sending her a sea bass. Internet man. No, I was anyway. just doing a little bit of fishing a few minutes ago. It's, it's hard to do that with the sound off. It's pretty uh, you know, I don't... I don't know. I, I mean, I miss having a vibration. 
obviously. There was one in the on the Wavebird, wasn't there? Uh, the yeah, there GameCube was one on the GameCube and the, the Wii version, I think, yeah. Yeah, and so I miss having that, but I... You get a the noise. The noise I don't use. I, I keep the volume muted on my DS almost all the time anyway. So, mm-hmm. I just get used to it. Oh, fair enough. Well, this is going to be the last question, I guess. Okay. Sam Tanian, who's Sammy as Tweetius on Twitter, he asks, uh, what would your perfect Pokemon, what would be your perfect Pokemon for the new games? Let's twist that and make it more interesting. Do you guys think the Pokemon MMO would be that big of a deal? Or if not, what would your perfect Pokemon game be? Like, how would you want to see that series change or evolve? Uh, or you can talk about a perfect Pokemon if you want. Whatever you want. To be honest, on- I think if any MMO could come out now and be uh, the kind of success people expected MMOs to be once upon a time, a Pokemon one would be it. Yeah? Pokemon Online. Call it Pokemon Online. That, that, <laughs> you can have that for free, Nintendo. Uh, I think that would be huge and i am so cynical when it comes to mmos because i think mmos are fucking you know it's it's so cornered now a market and i think everyone who chased it exhibited the exact kind of stupid short-sighted moronic idiotic attitude that permeates so much of this industry but if they announced a pokemon mmo i would in, be prepared to invest in that development. I would actually be prepared to invest and become a, um, you know, get in on the ground floor of that because that would be big. Well, uh, tell me why you think it would be. Uh, it, it's probably obvious to you, but uh, for me, it's a, a mystery. I've never enjoyed MMOs all that much. Never understood like the the feeling one gets from an enjoyable MMO I understand cognitively what's good about them like I can see the bullet points and understand factually oh yeah people like this for this reason but when I hear Pokemon MMO I'm just like oh I'd probably skip that one like how I did that weird puzzle game Troozy or whatever it was called I would skip the Pokemon MMO but you think a lot of other people would get into it Absolutely people, I mean is that, yeah it would have to dispel the myth that a lot of developers have where they think MMO is a genre instead mm-hmm. of a, a way of delivering game content. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think MMO is a genre. They think, oh, MMO, that means be exactly like World of Warcraft. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. The smart MMO realizes that it just means massively multiplayer online. Mm-hmm. That's all it means. It doesn't mean be an RPG exactly like WoW. Um, you know, you can have an MMO first-person shooter, you can have an MMO fucking, um, you know, mech battle thing, whatever. And you can have an MMO um, turn-based RPG, why not? Have a world where instead of trainers that you meet out there that just stand still and wait for you and can be, you know, avoided or whatever, um, have a perpetual living Pokemon world just populated by players that are all just wandering around and they can meet each other on the road on their way to certain towns and things and just spontaneously battle there and then and you never even have to see that person again and i think that would be very exciting for people and it would i would imagine it working just like pokemon 
You know, not like WoW, not like uh, the, the Final Fantasy MMOs, but working like Pokemon. You meet a guy, you can chat to a person, and boom, just just throw out your Pokeballs and then have a turn-based round like you would a multiplayer Pokemon game, except, you know, it's part of this persistent world. I think people would really go for that. Well, it sounds like it would work for people like me who wouldn't care that much about playing online because it would just be a new Pokemon game that would be good. Exactly. Like, all right, I'll get that. And for the people who love MMOs as a delivery system and just want to interact with people online in as large a capacity as possible, they'd love it too, I guess. Or they'd at least try it. Exactly. And and imagine even, (coughs) rather than set gym leaders, they're players. Huh? Rather than just, um, you know, uh, each town has a preset gym leader, actual players can fight to become the gym leader of that That'd be thing. pretty cool. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. that might be difficult. You might need multiple gym leaders to make sure that, you know, you win the gym leader- leadership of some place and never go back online and never get challenged. There'd have to be some way around that. But actual perpetual champions... Um, in various ways that you can beat and then take their championship and defend it and whatnot. You know, all those kinds of things you can do in an MMO that you couldn't necessarily do in a a, a solo game. Um, I think that would be really exciting. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun to see. I bet if Dragon Quest X had done better, and or if it starts to do better, Nintendo might have seen that as a new way of doing a spin-off for consoles, because they've tried every kind of Pokemon spinoff for consoles. They've done just the straight-up versus game. They've done uh, a game with a little bit of a storyline, like Pokemon Coliseum. Uh, On the Wii, they did a few more action exploration-based games where you're actually playing Pikachu, kicking the ass of, uh, you know, various Axews and whatnot. None of them took off very big. Uh, Doing an MMO on console for the Wii U, that could be a potential killer app for that thing. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they bone up on their uh, trends and see that this MMO stuff still pretty hot. Still bringing in the numbers. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, I, hate, I think for I the talk. most part, the MMO genres is dead as fucking ditch water. I well, shouldn't, people, have, I shouldn't yeah. have said genre, um, but you know the MMO thing. You know, so many things just came out and they wanted to beat WoW and didn't, and a lot of them have given up. And really, it's just WoW, and you've got the old Republic kicking along. And um, the Elder Scrolls Online, but for the most part, I think most people have realized um, it's not a bandwagon. It's not that, yeah, yeah, not really. But again, that might be why the Pokemon thing would work so well because now the market isn't as saturated as it was, mm-hmm. and I think there's still a. I think even though there's not a lot of strength in the WoW clone area of MMOs, I still think finding ways to present perpetual online worlds still has a lot of merit to it. I think there's still a lot to explore there. It's just we never fucking got off the ground floor. Mm -hmm. And I think Pokemon could come in and fill a a hole that many players may not even know was there. Well, there's a lot of of diehard Pokemon players. Damien Somner, who who made the Yawg and... uh, uh, what's the, I'm blanking on the name of his game Friendship in Four Colors, that's it He's a great guy, he loves Pokemon He plays online all the time With uh, homebrew Pokemon battle apps And uh, the audience for those is, is huge 
Um, he, he it's never ending uh, entertainment for him. He's always thinking about new strategies and always finding new people to play with. And uh, the the amount of bang he gets for his buck, or in this case, lack of buck, because it's free. But he would pay, and a lot of Pokemon players would pay sixty, seventy, eighty dollars for that depth of content. It Absolutely. Never ends. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see. We just saved Nintendo, guys, twice in the same show, actually. Yeah. Conrad saved them earlier, and you just saved them again. It was awfully nice, you guys. All right, I'm going to wrap up the thing, I guess. Should Let's I wrap do it. it up? Okay. Uh, what do I have going on this week? This Sunday, Holly Pickering. Pickle, is that how I say her name? Gosh darn it. By this time in the show, my brain is all foggy. She is a video game developer working on something called Ether One. She used to work, I believe, at Traveler's Tales. Oh, I'm getting all my facts wrong. I feel terrible. Uh, I did get her name right, Pickering. I normally get it all right, but I just doubt myself like a doubter. Uh, she did work at Traveler's Tales as an artist, character design artist. Now she's gone out on her own. Uh, she's got a very interesting story. She got into big-name game development right out of college, or I think she might have actually been in college. So her success story is one to watch and learn from. And she'll be on live on Sup Holmes this Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch TV. And we'll put a post up on Detroit as well. As for a rerun, we're going to be having the rerun of last week's Sup Holmes that had terrible technical problems. I think what actually uh, was shown was pretty good, but for whatever reason, we got started late. My computer kept kicking me out of the Google chat. And then it kicked Conrad out, like, mid-show, so we had to spill Oh, yeah, that was just my internet connection being dodgy. That's that was stinks. their fault. I'm sorry that yeah. happened. Anyway, he was great. That was with Rich, uh, uh, otherwise known as Disasterpiece. He is the composer for Fez and Fez 2 and uh, Monsters Ate My Birthday Cake and Robots Love Ice Cream and uh, Gun House. Uh, so many games. He's working on 12 games right now. He's one of the most prolific uh, composers in the industry. Uh, very hardworking guy. Very passionate guy. He's also working on trying to make his own games. He made a game called January that you can play. It's kind of a music tool slash interactive thing. It's pretty neat. He was really good to know. A uh, really nice person and interesting. A lot of insights on how to get into the industry and how to uh, stay in the industry and grow in it. Uh, when it comes to success stories, I can't believe how big of a name he's become. And I'm happy for him for it. So that's with Disaster Piece. That rerun should be up soonish. Is it up already, Conrad? I didn't. No, it's, it's not up yet. I thought I'd look. Soonish. Yeah. Soonish. Yeah, probably before the Sunday. Probably oh, yeah, definitely before this Sunday. Probably tomorrow. Oh, good. Well, that's good. Probably. I'm not promising, but probably tomorrow. Last Sunday, we also posted a new episode of Teenage Pokemon. It is a show. It's a cartoon show. Uh, it's got uh, Max Scoville. It's a very depressed Pikachu in it. It's got Anthony Carboni. They're both of Rev3 games. Uh, Anthony Carboni plays his trainer. He's a real son of a bitch in the show. Uh, this episode also was about E3 presentations. Very interesting response. Some people really didn't understand. They're just like, why is the man saying words over and over again? That's not a joke. And other people who uh, got the context really liked it. And that was very flattering of them to say, 
it was a biting satire of E3 presentation. So anyway, that one went up on Sunday. I hope people watch it and tell me what you think. And then this Sunday, we have an even bigger episode coming up because we have the original voice actor from the Pokemon anime, Eric Stewart, is reprising his role as Brock in this episode, which is so weird to have the real actor from Pokemon talking to Max Scoville and Anthony Carboni as they play characters from the Pokemon cartoon, too. Uh, big, big thing. And uh, on top of that, we also have Pokemon version of the Game Grumps in this episode. And then one of the Game Grumps just quits. So now I'm like hustling to get the animator to change the animation at the last minute. Not sure if he'll be able to, but those freaking Game Grumps screw me over. So many different ways they screw me over, those Game Grumps. Son of a bitch. Anyway, please watch that. It's going to be posted on Machinima this Sunday. I want to know what you think. And that's everything for me. How about you guys? Um, what have I done? What have I done? Help! Uh, over on escapistmagazine.com, Jimquisition is up. It was up this Monday. It is called... Uh, what was it called? Oh, fuck. I'm the worst. <laughs> forgotten. You've got a rhyme down spectacular. You can talk about while I go research what your gym is. Uh, oh no, I've got it. It's called Why PC Gaming Gets Away With It. That's and right. It was about why people aren't ragging on PC the way they ragged on Xbox One over used games and DRM and shit. I came up with many reasons, so go and look at that. Also, on Rhyme Down Spectacular with myself and Yahtzee, um, also on The Escapist. Uh, this week he did a poem about the Xbox and, and the things you can't do with it. And I did a poem about David Boreanaz and, and why he should be called Matt Borealis, uh, which the Escapist users have tried to find some deep, meaningful metaphor in. But no, I'm just doing a poem about David Boreanaz. And that's all I did on The Escapist over on Destructoid. Mm. My review of Ride to Hell Retribution is up. One out of ten. And even that's too much. I also did a review of the Ouya, a kind of review of the Ouya, um, which we talked about earlier in the show. You can go and look at that. And also, if you go to a website called GamingAsWomen.com, I did an interview with Wundergeek, a, um, a feminist blogger who has said um, not the most flattering things about my work in the past, uh, back when I was um, not the best writer, to be honest, and... We talked about my changes as a writer, especially when it comes to dealing with gender issues and, and feminism and stuff in gaming. And it went very well. Uh, this this person in particular was someone who I never expected ever in a million years to um, change her mind about m me as a writer and as a person. And the fact that she did uh, meant a lot to me. So that that is... Uh, I think, and it, the, the interview itself means a lot to me, and I would like to thank everyone who who has read it, especially on um, uh, NeoGaf, um, who responded incredibly well to it, and, and uh, yeah, it was it was a, a, a cornerstone, a, a milestone rather, sort of moment of, of my career to get to that point. So do check that out it's on gaming as women and and that's more or less what i did this week conrad what have you done and what can we look forward to oh well there's a new question out this week asking if people are happy with the reversal from microsoft now i'm surprised how many people aren't happy about it like how many people are pissed off that like they backed down that's still so strange to me um 
Although I do, uh, I do think that there's some some misunderstanding. Anyway, interesting well, this video. This sudden backlash came from nowhere. Yeah, nobody was trumpeting. Like I didn't hear people all excited about this crap when they were, you know, still going with it. Yeah. And now, now that it's happened, like what? Uh, where? Yeah. So I don't understand where they all came out of the woodwork. But there's some really good discussion on that, uh, both on on Destructoid and on on the uh, YouTube channel. Um, so go check those out. Um, let's see. We put up an office chat also about the Xbox stuff late last week. Jim was on that. That was quite entertaining. Um, people really liked that on YouTube. Really liked it on YouTube. So you check that out. And uh, I'm. I'm working on a rant thing about Microsoft and Connect and so forth that hopefully will get done by the end of the week here. And we've got uh, video reviews coming, uh, hopefully uh, Deadpool real soon. So that'll be up. And I think that's pretty much it for the moment. Uh, and this weekend, I'm going to do some charity live stream thing. I should find out what that is. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I some follow uh, you giant... on Twitter to find out. Shouldn't yeah, they? yeah, you probably should. That, that would be at Conrad Zimmerman. That would be the easiest way. I would, I will announce that when I know exactly when that's happening. But that'll be this weekend. It'll be fun. Awesome, yeah. dudes. Okay. And Jim, I didn't want to interrupt Conrad, but I uh, was biting my lip, all excited to tell you that I read that interview, and it was so touching. It was quite good. Yes, it is touching. You're. Uh, you're setting an example, a positive example for so many people out there. It's good, dude. Thank and you. I was surprised that, that I was I was maybe being defensive, but I thought the interviewer, she was being so critical of you. And then you were just like, yep, I used to be pretty crappy. I'm like, no, you weren't. You were never crappy because I've always liked you. So I was uh, thinking, no, he's great. But you were the first to admit you are not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. And all you can do is try. So well, even outside of these issues, if you're a writer, th there's no other attitude to have. Mm. Otherwise, you're never going to be better or good, even, I don't mm. think. So, sure. you know, always evolve, always change, try to be less of an idiot as, as each day goes by. That's my philosophy. And Except on this show. Yeah, this stays <laughs> exactly the same. Wallowing in the muck. And we will wallow in some more muck next week. Thank you for listening, friends and lovers. We'll see you next time. Lovers? And... Yeah. Oh. Trying to be gender neutral. Can I say ladies and gentlemen on Pod Oh, that's right. So so I say friends and lovers. with a. It's a nice flourish. It sounds classy. And everyone can appreciate that because everyone is our friend and our lover. Everyone loves tongue roll, too. I don't know how you do those. They're so good. I can't Practice. Roll it.